do we equip our families with a biblical worldview? How do we prepare the next generation for life? How do I grow in my walk with the Lord and in my marriage? If you wrestle with these questions, you are in the right place to find answers. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. Welcome to the Entrusting the Faith podcast. I'm your host, Eric Rutherford, and I'm excited today because I have Joe Carter with me. He is uh, an editor for the Gospel Coalition. He is author of the Life and Faith Field Guide for Parents, uh, the editor of the NIV Life Hacks Bible, and co-author of How to Argue Like Jesus, Learning Persuasion from History's Greatest Communicator. He also serves as, as, as an associate pastor of McLean Bible Church in Arlington, Virginia. So, Joe, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on today. Oh, it is my pleasure. Now, for those who are not familiar with it, tell us a little bit about your book, The Life and Faith Field Guide. So the book is a guide to teach parents what they need to know so that they can teach their children about life and faith. Uh, And it focuses on 50 key areas, such as engaging with the Bible and culture, making good decisions, managing conflict, things like that. And the approach I take in the book is to to assume that adults don't really know how to do these things themselves in a way that they can teach others. So by kind of showing them what they need to know, they can be confident that they can pass these skills on to their own children. Okay. So... You're sort of giving them this grid of information, and then in order that they can then teach that information to their children. Yeah, when I was uh, homeschooling my own daughter, I, I wanted to give her a class on, on logic. And when I started teaching her, I realized I didn't really know logic enough myself to teach her. So one of the key things and one of the kind of premises of the book is that to really know how to teach our children, we need to know how to do it first. So it's mostly a guide for parents to show them, here's what this is, here's how to do it and get them comfortable enough where they can go on and pass that on to their kids. Wow. So that that's really cool because then regardless of where the parents at at the beginning, they then get the lessons in order to be able to begin learning those skills to gain that confidence uh, themselves. Yeah, because a lot of times the, the lessons we pass on to the kids aren't set at a certain time. Like we're, we're driving in the car. And where a question pops up in our kid, and we have, how do we answer that? If we don't know it ourselves enough to answer at that moment, uh, then we're not going to be that helpful. So the, the purpose of the book is kind of teach you to have a broad-based knowledge so that you can pass on to your children anytime, whenever opportunity arises. Excellent. So they're not having to. They're not having to really set time aside or think, okay, on this Thursday, I'm going to make sure we talk about this. It's more, more of the on-the-go kinds of, of equipping. Yeah, for example, if you're in one of the chapters about how to watch films, how to teach your kids how to watch films, um, that's not something you probably sit down on a Saturday afternoon and just talk about. It's like after you go see a movie, how do you bring up these questions and how do you talk about that so that the kid will engage with that and realize, okay, this is what, how to connect the biblical worldview to what I just saw. Now, that's important, too. And let's, let's kind of touch on that a little bit, because uh, biblical worldview is important, right? And, and everything that we do and understanding, understanding that um, in terms of, let's just say, watching a movie, what is, what is one question we need to think about um, and then be able to ask our children about with that kind of framework? I think uh, one of the things is what is the worldview of the person who made the movie? What is what are they trying to convey? What are they saying? Who are the heroes? Who are the villains? What does it say about the heroes, the villains that they 
have certain qualities. What makes them a hero? What what qualities make them a hero? How does that align with what we believe about the Bible and what God says a hero should be or what a person should be? So things like that are kind of uh, the questions that uh, once you kind of know them, it, it's easier to kind of organically bring those up into conversations and talk to kids about in a way that doesn't feel like you're trying to teach them a lesson. You're just having a conversation about them how to on issues like this. And I think this is where a lot of worldview education comes from. It comes from having honest conversations like this instead of just indoctrination where you're just like, here's what you need to know and hoping the kids pick it up. Uh, having them come to the conclusion themselves by just having conversations that um, reflect your worldview. Mm. Now, within, uh, within the material in your book, is it geared, so geared for parents to learn how to equip their children? Is it is it sort of age group specific in terms of the kids or just does it depend on where everybody's at um, when you hit certain topics in certain areas? There's certain sections that uh, it's broken down differently. For example, on engagement with the Bible, it's broken down. Um, like here's what's for the younger kids. Here's for older kids. Here's for uh, more mature kids. A lot of the stuff is for old, mostly older kids that can be applied somewhat to younger kids. But, uh, and it's also the parents know their children best. So they know here's what would apply to my kid at this time. Uh, some kids are more mature. Some kids aren't mature as fast in certain areas. So it's kind of, um, I, I try not to be make too many assumptions about that. The parents can figure out themselves about here's how to apply this information to your, to your particular child. Okay. That makes sense. And that's um, yeah. Cause I, it's one of those, some things are very age specific, just conversations, but other things, you end up having that same conversation many times at many different ages. And so it's, it's uh, being able to, uh, you know, take whatever level they need at that point. So that's really cool. Um, you know, one of the sections in your book, uh, skills and habits for engaging culture. So what, what makes this what makes that so important? Like, why is it so important to be able to engage our culture? And, and what's something that we can learn in order to do that? So our, our children are growing up in a particular place and at a particular time, America in the 21st century, uh, and they will engage culture the rest of their lives. Whether we want them to or not, they're going to engage culture. The question is whether they're going to do it well or whether they're going to do it poorly. Uh, and will they judge culture based on biblical standards or will they judge their faith based on cultural standards? Uh, so an example of a skill needed to engage culture is, is learning how to engage with the news media. Um, I would say one, that a large percentage of the problems we have in America come from our inability to deal with information, and particularly information that comes from news sources. Uh, and unfortunately, those of us like me who identify as conservative, we're often the worst about this. We, we think that it's, it's enough to recognize that the media is biased, and so we go seek out media that fits our own biases. Uh, but we need to train our children to kind of avoid the mistakes we made and to kind of engage with information in a way that really fits with our biblical worldview and really can help us live out um, the commands of Jesus. Mm. So gaining that that discernment to be able to, to re really see what is, what is right, what is biblical, what is not, and not paint with big brushes, but really kind of kind of take it almost on a case-by-case -case basis and not not react, but, but be thoughtful in that approach. Yeah. For example, how, how do we tell the difference between gossip, trivia, and actual news, helpful news information? Uh, if we can't tell even that, 
how are we going to make that kind of decision for our children when they like here's because um, one of the the practices I recommend in the book is like look back in a um, a magazine a news magazine or a newspaper from a month ago how much of that information is still relevant today now if it's not relevant a month later it probably wasn't relevant then so how do you judge what is going to be relevant uh, because we're we're expected to have an eternal perspective we're not supposed to just have like a 24-hour news cycle and things fall out of the news cycle and they're no more important. We're supposed to be focused on the future. And uh, so we need to be able to discern what is really important from what's just trivia or what's just, just gossip. That is powerful. That's, that's a great point too. I'd never thought about it in those terms, but it is. It's what, what are we saying? What are we reading that has long-term um, value, long-term consequences? Um, that's a great point. Um, yeah, and I just everything out there is just out there today and gone tomorrow. And that that's a generalization too. It's not everything, but it seems like many things are. Yeah, I would say mo- most of what we get in news information <laughs> is it's uh, it's irrelevant within a couple of days. Uh, and often when I talk to people, I often ask like, how how often do you read the Bible? How much do you engage with Scripture? And, and you know, it's like maybe at most it's a chapter a day. And then I ask them, well, how much do you engage in news and news media? And it's, you know, three or four hours a day where they're reading Twitter or they're watching cable news or they're listening to talk radio. Um, and so why are we not focused on something that has eternal importance rather than something that's going to be pretty trivial compared to what's the, the long-term consequences? Wow. That, yeah, that is, that definitely gives a, that's a pretty stark contrast in terms of what we value and what we, what we consume and what shapes us you know, in, in our thinking and, and, you know, what we consider true. Um, so kind of with that, not only for us, but especially for our children, how can we help our children, you know, learn to read the Bible and apply scriptures in their lives? Because if, if we want them thinking in these, these ideas and engaging the culture biblically, we got to we got to have some information to go on. So what, how can we do that? I'd say there are probably two broad things that we could do. Uh, we need to give them the tools and we need to make it a habit. Uh, we need to show them how to effectively read and interpret and apply the Bible and how to make, help them make that a part of the regular part of the life. Um, and I think we too often don't encourage them to engage with the Bible because we're afraid that they're not fully going to understand what they're reading. Um, I'm a pastor, I'm 50 years old, and I don't always understand what I'm reading. That doesn't stop me from reading the Bible. Uh, but we need to teach them how to um, prepare for when they do understand it, they have some base knowledge and base foundation instead of um, just kind of the assumption that, well, they only need to read this part of the Bible when they, um, when they get older. Have them build a habit of regular Bible intake and so that they will have those skills. And I recently saw a, a survey that said that one of the key things that will show whether a Christian or a person is a Christian when they're young is a Christian later in life is how often do they read the Bible. If they read their Bible when they're kids, when they're teens in college, they will continue to be a Christian the rest of their life. And if they don't, they're most likely to walk away from the faith. So, wow. So it's getting, it's, it's not only immersing in the text, but then getting in the habit of it. So it's, it's, building that repetition, those reps, not only familiarity, but the value when you do that long enough, you know, God, it's God's word, right? So when you are immersed in it like that, he's going to do, he's going to do a work in us. 
absolutely. I mean, the, it, you can't have a relationship with God if you're never listening to God. Mm. And you don't listen to God if you're not reading his word, not immersed in his word. So I think that's um, one of the key things, just constantly be in the Bible and teaching our kids how to be in the Bible in a way that really engages them. Mm. That is true. And then, you know, as we do that, so as believers, you know, we are called to equip, to, to raise up our children, to teach them about the Lord, about his word. Um, what is, do we as, as believers, I'm just going to say in, in our culture, because this, you know, we're, this is where we're speaking. Do we see that as an important thing to give them that biblical worldview? I would say believers in general. And um, if not, what can we do to sort of improve that, you know, so that, that we are making sure we are diligently uh, teaching our children with this biblical worldview uh, grid? Yeah, I'm, I'm almost hesitant sometimes to use the term biblical worldview anymore because it's become associated with so many things that have nothing to do with scripture. <laughs> uh, uh, for example, a core facet of a biblical worldview is loving your enemies. Uh, but loving people who disagree with us politically, much less who are our enemies, that's almost practically un-American nowadays. We're not, we're not expected to do that. Um, and in recent, I saw another survey that said that half of evangelicals think that being an American isn't as, is as important as being a Christian. So anyone who truly thinks that doesn't really know what being a Christian means or what it requires. And so that's one of the reasons we need to equip children with a biblical worldview, because we want them to be actual disciples of Jesus who understands what it requires them. We don't just want to make good Americans. Yes, I'm a patriotic uh, veteran. I want uh, my kids to love America, but more importantly, I want them to love Jesus. And I want them to make the distinction between loving Jesus, loving America, or being a good American is not always the same thing. And so um, we really need to put the Bible back in a biblical worldview. That's, that's true. And, you know, I see that, you know, I see that a lot too. It's, it's this blurring of nationality with with faith, and to be one is not necessarily to be the other, you know. And, and I see that too. You know, you see that in you know in other cultures as well, where they identify as Christian. Or I love when uh, reading um, or talking with people from other other countries, and they assume that Western culture is Christian when. Uh, there are many facets that are clearly not, but it's, we identify it as such. So <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Christianity should, should change every culture that it, it uh, comes in contact with. And so there's going to be more aspects of Christianity, of course, because of, of, of America that's Christian, but we're not a Christian nation in, mm -hmm. in the way that uh, um, Israel was a godly nation and, you know, in the, for the Hebrew people. And so we need to really Make sure our kids understand the distinction between that is we're not we're not just wanting them to be good citizens that we do want that we want them to be biblically informed citizens who are living out the bible no matter what that cost mm. and that that yeah that really it doesn't matter which party it doesn't matter who's um you know who's elected uh our identity our allegiance is ultimately to christ and to live according to his word not according to liberal conservative or anything else Absolutely. Um, and now that sort of rolls into another question in terms of um, what do you see as the biggest challenges for us today in discipling our children? Um, what do you see, whether it's you know from a church perspective, culture, what, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges? 
Well, parents are competing against the entire rest of the world to disciple their children. Now, we may have a few allies. We have maybe our extended family or our church family. But for the most part, we are in direct competition with the world that wants to disciple our kids to be anything but a follower of Jesus. Um, and that's a challenge. It's, it's going to be difficult to overcome. I mean, that's, that's not something I wish that was just an easy way. Here's how we get around that. But that's what we got to recognize, that the world is always trying to uh, disciple our kids for us in a way that we, we don't want. Mm. Do, do you think that believers realize that? Uh, you know, do you think that, I guess I, I, I'm going to speak sort of a little broader in terms of uh, churches in the U.S., you know, people who, who would claim Christ as Savior, who would trust in Him for salvation, do they realize that that is very true, that the world is is trying to disciple our kids? I think they do. I'd say almost every parent has about 50% of it right. Uh, and it's usually divided by political lines. Like conservative parents, they worry about critical race theory or transgenderism, and they should. Uh, parents on the left maybe worry about racism and white supremacy and nationalism, things like that, and they should. But we get so wrapped up and only focusing on that on our political spectrum that we forget that the um, to worry about the things that are discipling our kids in ways that may tend to align more with our political alignment, but aren't really uh, matching up with the Bible. So I think um, we need to be more broad based and in, in worry about um, the complete, how the, how the complete culture matches up to um, the Bible instead of just whether um, our political enemies don't, because I think we're, we're, we tend to be more aware of the things we already don't agree with that that's a danger and we forget the dangers on our own side. Mm. So it sounds like a lot of, um, we really need to first and foremost, really, you know, go to the Lord and really have him shine a spotlight in us and in our own hearts to say, okay, Lord, where am I in error? Yeah, I think, uh, and to give an example, is probably going to step on a few toes here, but uh, most conservative Christian families don't have to worry about transgenderism. Their family is not in danger of that. What their family more in danger is, is spending three hours not watching Fox News and mm -hmm. being imbued with that worldview instead of a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. So I think it's things like that, that we really have to think, what is the real danger for my family? Now, maybe um, because your kid's in a certain school or a certain area where this problem is uh, more relevant than other areas, that could be a problem. But I think it's really, we should look at the dangers of what our particular lifestyle is going to put our kids in danger of rather than just the, the things that, um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time worried about drugs and alcohol and things like that. And those are big, big picture issues that we should worry about, but it's the other more subtle dangers. I think we need to focus on a little bit more often. Mm, I agree. And that's, you know, it's powerful because we do, we get caught up in our own, our own niche, our own thing that we, we think is important or we think is right. And yet um, it's like, it's like, you know, being the Pharisees, right? You're adding layers to what God's word says. And it's like, well, we can't, yeah, we gotta be careful with that. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I think too often there's a lot of parents that would, they would be more upset if their kids disagree with them on politics than fell away from the faith. And wow. as, as long as their kids were still politically in line, didn't argue with them about political issues. If they didn't trust Jesus as fully as they should, or they didn't live like, Christians should, they would be more, they'd be more willing to go along with that than with, uh, 
uh, and, and maybe of course the, the people who would listen to your kind of uh, podcast are probably not those people, but I think as, if we look around, we would see that is probably the general impression we get of, of all America that we care about things that aren't really um, related to following Christ as much as we should. Mm, yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it around us. I can see it in different churches and, and you know, any media of all kinds. It's just, mm-hmm. it's there and it's, it's tragic. Um, do you, so how important is being, how important is being part of a solid biblical community? Uh, how important is that in being able to not only, not only for our own faith, but in effectively discipling our children? Um, but then I'm going to also ask, you know, how would you define biblical community? Because um, uh, sometimes, you know, people say, well, there's a cross on the door. That's a church. We're good. You know, but that that doesn't always <laughs> that, that 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 can get a little loose sometimes. So um, how important is this biblical community to us? Yeah, let me let me start by defining what a biblical community is. What I would say is um, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20 to go and make disciples by teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So biblical community is therefore one that uh, knows what Jesus commanded, is eager to teach those commands, and is willing to hold us accountable to those commands. So based on that, being a part of a biblical community is absolutely essential to being a disciple of Christ. Uh, we cannot effectively disciple our families if we are not part of a biblical community. And I think you'll find nothing in scripture that says you can just kind of go out on your own. There's no long range of Christians. There's no kind of lone ranger Christian families where you can effectively disciple your, your kids without a solid biblical community surrounding you. That makes sense. And that's, I think that's important to you because sometimes I think we, you know, I see families, they'll, they'll be there on Sunday, um, half the time. Um, and it's like, okay, I got my, I'm part of a church. Well, not really. You know, you attend a few times. Um, what, you know, is community more than just showing up a few times a month? Is there sort of more that we need to do as believers uh, to really engage that community and to to really serve that community? Well, I think a, a couple of aspects of community is how well do people know you? Uh, do they know if there's a problem in your life? Do they know if there's sin in your life? Do they are they trying to hold you? And when I say accountable, I don't mean that we're just going through a checklist and like, where did you sin this week? It's like they can see areas in your life that you're not living like you're supposed to be. Um, I, I, I pastor a congregation of really young people, and a lot of the young people are really hesitant to, to call out other Christians who are living with their boyfriend or girlfriend. I mean, that's just basic biblical sexual ethics, and they're un- they're afraid to call them out on that because they're afraid of losing the friendship. Well, that's the kind of accountability we need. We need people that care enough about us to say, you need to stop doing that. If you love God, you will stop doing that because you cannot uh, obey God and live in this kind of sin. And we just need that around us all the time. And it's the reason we don't do it is because it's very uncomfortable. It's time-consuming. We have to spend more time with people that we really rather not. We'd rather be doing other things, and um, we don't like people getting our business. Uh, but that is what being a part of a church is. That's what it requires of us. And that, and ultimately, that moves us closer to Christ, right? It 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 really develops that holiness in us. Um, but like you say, it's it's not always comfortable because you know I know I'm a sinner, and I know I know the Lord knows my sin better than I do. 
And yet sometimes I really don't like to acknowledge it (laughs) or have it acknowledged to me. Um, Is that what, what's something that we can do to be more open to that, right? To, to say, okay, um, I want to be a part of that. I mean, is it just a humbling ourselves to be willing to do that? What, what do you think is, is needed? Well, I think since we're, well, since we're talking about parents, one of the things is just realize how much, how important it is for your kids to see you modeling that kind of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to, I think we need to more often apologize to our own kids. We need Mm -hmm. to apologize to our kids for when we're sinning. And when we know we snap at them for, uh, for no reason, they need to kind of see that accountability in our own lives. And they need to see that we're being held accountable by other people that we're not just individualistic, this kind of American attitude where we're individuals, nobody can tell us what to do, that we are accountable to the body of Christ for what we do. And that's, uh, if they see that as part of a natural community, that's what's expected, then they're more likely to uh, kind of uh, move into that. And all of us need community. We, we, I think the pandemic has kind of showed us what happens when we don't have that. We, even those of us who are maybe introverted, maybe like be on our own, we realize how much we need other people in our lives. And I think um, the more we can model that for our kids, the more we recognize in ourselves that we really need this too. We, we want this and need this when we actually engage in a truly biblical community. And that, mm-hmm. again, the caveat there is I think a lot of people are, you know, some churches are kind of like country clubs where their uh, membership organizations with your signaling your virtue, you're the right kind of person because you belong to this church, but they're not really holding you uh, accountable to live and obey the commands of Jesus. I agree. And that's, I like that too, just modeling for our kids because they are going to see what we do. Uh, they're going to be impacted. Uh, they, you know, the, the fruit that is going to come from that um, is either going to go either way. If we aren't a part of a community there, we have no, should have zero expectation that our children will, right? right. It, you know, we can't just say, oh, this is what you should do. And yet they've never seen us do it. And especially, and so if we do that consistently, if we humble ourselves um, before others, before the Lord, and, you know, I, I love what you talk about too, just that, that asking forgiveness of our children, that is, um, yeah, I've had to do it many times. The most embarrassing are like, especially when my kids were younger and I'm just trying to get them to church on Sunday morning. Right. And, and we're just hurting everybody. And I got angry. And before we can go in, I'm sitting there apologizing to everybody because I got angry on Sunday morning before we walk into the worship service. Um, but it's so important because then they see it's, that's what believers do. So we sometimes forget that if our kids are believers, they're not only our son or daughter, they're also our brother and sister in Christ. Hmm. So we have a responsibility to them that is not just matched on that mother-child relationship or father-child relationship. It's based on brother to brother, sister to sister in Christ, and that we need to show them by modeling, okay, here's I'm going to do this to you because you're my brother and sister in Christ. Therefore, we need to do it with other people. And so uh, that's why it's absolutely essential that we... Um, we model how to be loving and accountable to brothers, sisters of Christ by doing that with our own kids. Mm, that's true. Yeah. And, you know, so for people who are listening, who are, who are doing the right things, you know, they are, they're part of a biblical community. They are um, humbling themselves before the Lord, um, 
man, it's, it's just hard, right? You know, we are, we are this side of heaven. Um, they're feeling discouraged. What, what kind of encouragement would you give them today? Yeah, God calls us to be faithful. And for parents, that means doing what we can to raise our kids, uh, raise kids that love God, love their neighbors and obey Jesus. So just take an honest look at your efforts. And if you're being faithful at your task of being a parent, just stop feeling so discouraged and just stop being so hard on yourself. Just trust that God will use your efforts for his purposes and for his glory. Mm, yeah. And it's that idea of, you know, just being responsible for our part. Uh, you know, I, it's one of those, I think sometimes I get, it's like, I can't be responsible for all the decisions my children are going to make. Um, and, but, but I can be responsible for my influence on them. That's absolutely. I mean, I've known some truly the most godly people, I've known they're, they're great parents. They did everything right. And their parent, their kids still fell away from the faith. Um, you, you can't control what you can't control. Just trust God. To, uh, he's going to reward your faithfulness in his way, or it's going to bring him glory. And just know that um, if you're doing what you can, you're doing what you can. That's all that, that God's going to ask of you. Uh, and that's encouraging too, because that's, you know, that is the, that's what we have control over um, and not, we can't control the results, but, but simply what, you know, what the Lord has given to us. So just as we kind of wrap up here, if listeners, you know, want to know more about, about your writing, about, uh, about some of those things you're working on, where would you like them to go? I write, uh, twice a week at the gospel coalition website. So they can find my work there at, uh, the gospelcoalition.org. Excellent. Well, we'll put that information in the show notes as well as, uh, the book information, life and faith field guide for parents, uh, Joe, I really appreciate you taking your time and accepting the invite to the show. This has been this has been great. This has been very encouraging, I know, for me as well as for our listeners. Well, thanks so much for having me on. It's a real honor. Oh, it's my pleasure. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review for us wherever you listen to podcasts. Doing so will help others to find us. Uh, check out the show notes for resource information. We encourage you to do that for links and other references. We'd like to hear from you so you can message us your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, and Entrusting the Faith. You can email us at info at entrustingthefaith.com. If you go to our website, which is www.entrustingthefaith.com, uh, you can sign up to our email list and receive free resources as well as upcoming podcast episode information. So check it out. Lastly, just remember legacies are built a day at a time. So start now.